I think it's really important that people start out playing safe. So, so we want to start with obviously <laughs> it's gonna be the girls are still wearing the clothing, unfortunately. A fantasy of mine is like a gay thing. That's just hot to me. This week, uh, we have a Tara topic. We're going to talk about being... Tara topic. It's a Tara topic. Okay, <laughs> so, bitches. Love you. Wow. Tara gets saucy. Welcome to Sex Interrupted with Tara and James. I'm James. And I'm Tara. And we are your sexy swinging lifestyle hosts for today. We host our weekly show to empower you to explore your sexuality and learn more about consensual non-monogamy. We made a decision that we did not want to fit the societal norm when it came to relationships, sex, and dating. We wanted to open things up. So that's just what we did. Since 2013, we have explored consensual non-monogamy and never looked back. If you are looking for more after the show, be sure to get social with us. Our Instagram is sex.uninterrupted, and we share all kinds of posts and stories about our life. You can also find us on Twitter at SXUninterrupted or on Facebook by searching Sex Uninterrupted. New relationships feel so good. You get those fuzzy feelings, butterflies in your stomach, and you both want to bang each other's brains out. New relationship energy isn't something that's immune to non-monogamy. If anything, it's amplified. And we are lucky enough to have our very special guest joining us on our show today to discuss the concept of new relationship energy, or NRE as we call it. What do you do if you start to develop strong feelings for a couple you play with? What are some ways you can recognize NRE? How do you talk about it to your partners? We dive into all this and more on today's show. And let's cut to the interview now. I am sitting here a little starstruck right now. Uh, I get the chance to meet and work with uh, some pretty incredible people, but this guest is truly an idol of ours. Um, she began working as a sexual counselor in 2001, and her career took off after that. Since then, she has been involved in numerous sexual education programs, authored three best-selling books, and can be found on Playboy, CTV, Cosmopolitan TV, ET, and more. Oh, and she also has a podcast of her own. Please welcome Dr. Jess on our show. Hey, hey, thanks so much for having me. That was a very kind intro. <laughs> yes, and it's, it's early in the morning, so uh, sometimes it doesn't come across the way that I want it to. <laughs> I was actually going to read it, and then I got so nervous. Like, my hands are all clammy, and I was like, I think I'm going to throw up. Like, I've never felt like this from interviewing someone before. So I, you, you are um, on a pedestal for me, so thank you very much for taking oh, no. I need to be knocked right off, so knock me off of that. No, you've done so much. Like you do amazing work, and uh, yeah. we've we've kind of come in passing a couple times, and we did a little bit of work with uh, Desire Resorts at the Calgary Taboo Sex Show, where it's actually I think that's the second time we actually met each other yeah. um, in passing. So um, actually, super honored to have you on the show as well. Um, and based on my interview, uh, my intro, uh, did I uh, miss anything? No, I don't think so. I think you got it all covered. <laughs> and uh, were you actually on TV this morning? I was, actually. I was on the morning show on Global Television, which is a Canadian program. So you get that out in Calgary. And we were, we were talking about something interesting. We were talking about blended families because Gwyneth Paltrow has spoken out about the fact that after a year of marriage, she is now moving in with her husband and they've eased into this transition after spending four nights a week together instead of seven. And of course, everybody's poo-pooing on it. For one, it's Gwyneth and I, I kind of get that. You know, she hasn't <laughs> always given the best advice. But on the flip side, it's just different than what other people do. And we mm -hmm. tend to be pretty judgmental and I think fearful of things that other people do and might what might work for other people. And I think we're nervous that, oh my gosh, should I have tried it that way? So instead we disparage it. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if you know Charlie and Arian from Sex Because. I sure do. Yeah, they have a blended family with 10 kids. So... <laughs> Oh dear, 10 kids. I know. <laughs> wow. A handful. Big oh. shout out to Charlie and Arian because they're actually good friends of ours. Um, but yes, when he told me that they were a blended family with 10 kids, I was like, 
wow, okay. <laughs> and a big shout out to them for populating uh, the world because we, we need that in North America because you got couples <laughs> like us who are taking it a little too slow. You know, uh, you know we're, we're Canadian and without immigration, we'd have a negative Probably. Uh, growth rate. Absolutely, yeah. We, we need people coming in because so many people are either delaying having kids, not having kids, or having, you know, just one kid. Uh, and so someone who's doing it with 10... Wow. I know. And, and helping people in the non-monogamous community as well as helping people. They were just in El Paso um, doing the, uh, some counseling for people, um, which is actually quite amazing. Um, uh, yeah, I get kind of You're awful I get, I get choked up when I talk about them because they actually went down to El Paso during this last shooting to help some of the victims with their stuff. So I, I always get emotional when I talk about these two because they're just amazing people and it's really... Um, their work that they do is just amazing. On top of that, the work that you do is also amazing. So um, how did you start out? Like, um, you're a relationship expert in a sense. Sure. I mean, we're all experts in our own right. And sometimes I think I, I'd be better to call myself an anti-expert. But uh, <laughs> I started by accident. Honestly, I was uh, working with the counseling center in university in undergrad. And it was a peer counseling and sexual health education center. And I ended up in the sexual diversity program. So I ended up studying sex, but with no intention of working in sex. I just thought it was fascinating. I was really drawn to the people in the program. Uh, so many people who identified as queer or non-binary, although we didn't have exactly that language at the time. There was a large group of us, or maybe not large, but a considerable group of us who are of Caribbean descent. So I felt like I had kind of found my people. At the time. And then I became a high school teacher and I loved that, although I, I couldn't sit in a classroom all day. Uh, I was lucky I was at an alternative school, so I had some flexibility. But I, I decided to go back and do research in the field because my students were coming to me with a lack of information, with misinformation, with a lack of resources. They were coming with unplanned pregnancies, looking for the morning after pill. Some of them were already in abusive or unhealthy relationships. And teachers, we were never equipped or prepared to deal with this. So my passion is supporting teachers to have the resources, skills, knowledge they need to support students. Because when you live in a country like Canada, where the public education system or the education system touches almost 100% of children, this is an opportunity that we can't afford to miss. Mm -hmm. So that's really my passion. And then, you know, there's not a job to do that. It's not as though the school board were clamoring to hire me. Mm -hmm. So I started writing and speaking, and that's how I, you know, moved more into the public education space, in, partly in media and entertainment and writing and speaking. So I still volunteer in the schools. It's still my passion. But I spend most of my time working more in, in corporate with either with executives or entrepreneurs and who have achieved a lot in business and want to apply that same focus and investment into their relationships because they realize that their relationships matter more than money. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. One hundred. relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, we're building a business, but uh, we also have to make sure we have that balance and make that time for each other too. And when you're working together, do you find it, do you find that hard? Because sometimes, you know, you work really well together and you're like, oh, we hit that. That was great. And then other times you're like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Do you, do you run into that? Oh, it's, <laughs> a, it's an ebb and flow. It's a daily thing. It goes yeah. But we met at work. So we met in an engineering office and had to work alongside each other Literally before we even dated. In like a 10 foot room yeah. together. Like uh, <laughs> a cubicle. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, Lord. Proximity is such a challenge, right? You need your own space. There, there's this funny article I read the other day about how many square feet you required to have a happy relationship. And it was some absurd number. I can't, I can't remember the number, but, it, you know, 2,700 square feet. Oh something like Toronto or New York or Singapore or Japan or Hong Kong or anywhere, nobody's living in 20, very few people are living in 2,700 square feet. Yeah. And, you know, we don't have a big house. And I often talk about how even with our smaller house, I would be happy to downsize. I don't need a ton of space, but I, I do need more than a 10-foot cubicle, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. It, it was kind of funny. So she trained me to do my job and then tried to get me fired within a week. <laughs> we were not compatible to begin with. Yeah. Okay. So you had so, to work on it. So mm -hmm. we did. We actually took a long time to get into like the new relationship energy phase, which is what we're going to talk about on this show. But mm -hmm. first, I did want to stop and ask, um, did you want to share a little bit about your current relationship? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm married to a guy named Brandon. Brandon co-hosts my podcast, so we do not work together, but we have this, you know, weekly project that we work on together. He has his own business, I have my own business, and pulling him into my business has been a really interesting and challenging endeavor. Mm-hmm. He, he's uh, very likable, and so, you know, I'm in the public eye and having him next to me makes me feel more comfortable. We've been together for, oh, since 2001. So I think that's coming up on, yeah, we've been together 18 years. Wow. And wow. we've been living together the entire time. We moved in together right when we met. We were very, very young. We were in university. Uh, I don't advise that. People say, oh, you just knew he was the one. No, of course I wanted him to be the one because he's fabulous, but I don't believe in the one. He is one of many that I probably could have married. I don't want any, you know, it's not like I want a different partner. Look at me backpedaling and he's not even here. But (laughs) 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 he's just a wonderful man and life is good. And uh, I, I, you know, I feel really lucky every day for many reasons. And one of those reasons is that I have a partner in life. That's so awesome. And he just, he just kind of came into the podcasting thing with you, right? You just started the podcast. Yeah, it's, I've been doing it for a couple of years, uh, so it's, it's relatively new because I didn't follow through in the first year, <laughs> but now it's a regular thing, and uh, it's a Sex with Dr. Jess podcast, but he is the co-host, and I, it's funny, now that I've had him by my side, I really don't like doing it without him. <laughs> I feel <And>, you. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because as an expert, someone who's maybe in, I'm engaging with the research and I'm looking at case studies and I'm studying the data and oftentimes that's the biggest piece of what I share, but I find when Brandon is sitting next to me, I feel as though I can be Jess as much as I can be, you know, persona. And so I open up a little bit more about my life. Uh, not entirely. I, you know, I'm, I'm a little protective of some degree of privacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people say, oh, you share a lot on the podcast. And I'm like, oh, that's only, that barely, barely scratches the surface. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so funny when people hear us bicker on the show and like, you know, we kinda, like, oh my God, you guys fight. I'm like, this is just like, <laughs> this is the surface. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, trust me, you guys like, and that's the one thing about podcasts is like, we're sharing portions of our life we're not sharing it all because if we gave it out all of our life we wouldn't necessarily have that special thing between us kind of you know what I mean absolutely and I find that I can talk about issues for example in my my own personal relationship once I feel that we've worked through them once I feel Mm -hmm. they're fairly resolved and it's not that any issue is entirely resolved but if we're in the heat of it if we're still in the trenches you're not going to catch me on the podcast talking about it because it's too risky for my relationship because I, I, you know, there's a degree of self-consciousness. Yes, you want to be authentic and yes, you want to be open and be yourself, but you're still speaking in front of people, uh, even if they're not in the room with you. So I don't want to censor myself or have that degree of hypervigilance, which I think disallows me or impedes me from resolving an issue. So if you hear us talking about a fight we had, for example, it's only after I feel we've kind of come through the woods. It's not Mm going to be in the heat of it. And of course, I'm sure it would make a very interesting show to let you listen in on the heat of it. But uh, it would be great for ratings and not good for our relationship. And I definitely prioritize the relationship for ratings. Of course. We just leave it to the neighbors to listen in. Uh, we're two quite fiery people, so I can understand that uh, it, it can be. It can we're be, learning. It's we're learning seven that, years. It's a good learning. balance, though, right? Because <laughs> when you're out there in the public eye, um, it's there's there's things that you kind of want to keep for yourself, right? That kind of hold true to this whole kind of thing that we're going to talk about is this whole like new relationship energy and talking about um, going down that path. We're actually just going to cut to a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to start our talk on what is new relationship energy. We want to say that we know it can sometimes feel lonely navigating this world of open relationships. We know that it can be difficult to find people to talk with. We know because we've been through it. And although we certainly are not therapists or licensed psychologists, we know that sometimes all you need is just somebody to talk to. We've helped hundreds of people on their journey with non-monogamy and are passionate about helping thousands more. 
We offer private coaching to anyone interested in opening up their relationship and reach out to us for multiple reasons. It could be that they're struggling to get out to a club and are looking for a little extra encouragement, or they may not know how to go about discussing their fantasies and desires with their partner. Visit sexuninterrupted.com slash book online to schedule your free 10-minute one-on-one session today. Welcome back to Sex Interrupted with Tara and James. We have Dr. Jess as our guest on our show today. So thank you again, Dr. Jess, for joining us on the show. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. No problem. So, um... Again, thank you so much for sharing a bit about you and your expertise in relationships and sex, obviously, since it is sex with Dr. Jess. <laughs> You're so corny. I know. <laughs> I throw out a dad joke every now and again. But, um, um, so um, we are talking, we're going to talk today about a little bit a new subject that's kind of just started coming out. Yeah, new relationship energy. It's a new term that's been kind of like thrown out there. I've heard, I've heard it a few times when we go to seminars and panels and I've started to do a little bit of research on this and I've found that this is something that can really be discussed more in the non-monogamy world because, you know, it is a huge thing that happens in non-monogamy. Um, Dr. Jess, do you mind explaining a little bit what new relationship energy is? Sure. I mean, in some senses, I'm, I'm sure it's a little self-explanatory. It's the feeling you get when a relationship is new and exciting. And oftentimes people describe it as that intoxicating feeling <laughs> and desire for the person. And so in, in non-monogamous, consensually non-monogamous situations, we're often talking about new relationship energy. And because we may be having new relationships more often in Vanilla or monogamous dating, oftentimes we think of it as the honeymoon phase. So it's that feeling you get when you first meet someone and you like them so much and you think about them all the time and your heart races for them, your palms get sweaty, you have all this energy, you want them, you need them, you want to get them naked, you want to get your claws into them. But, you know, then you get to know them. And once you get to know someone, there is an element, a chemical change in the body because those feelings of intoxication, so we're talking about shifts in dopamine, in adrenaline, in serotonin levels, those feelings and those chemical shifts in the body are associated with the unknown. They're associated with fear. <laughs> They're associated with nervousness. They're even associated with a slight fear of rejection. It is the unknown that is so exciting to many people. And mm -hmm. so in the monogamous sense, people are always kind of frustrated. Oh, I don't feel the way I did in the beginning. You're not supposed to feel the way you did in the beginning because in the beginning, when you are dealing with this chemical high in the body, the brain changes in the brain, the brain changes are similar to someone who is heavily using cocaine, who is, you know, addicted wow. to drugs. So it feels so good. It feels like a high, but you can't exist in that state for really, really prolonged or indefinite periods of time. And so eventually those chemicals are going to level off. So people, it's interesting because in, in Western culture, we're so focused on safety and predictability and comfort and love. And we forget that part of what's so exciting in life is a little bit of risk. Now, the challenge, of course, becomes finding a balance between a loving, caring, comfortable, uh, you know, safe relationship and taking risks. And so new relationship energy in not consensually non-monogamous relationships can be so alluring. It's why a new partner can just feel more exciting. It's why they can mm -hmm. seem more attractive. It's why sex with them can seem more interesting and it has to do with the unknown and so regardless of whether you're with one partner or multiple partners you do want to create space for the unknown for unpredictability for a little bit of risk or at minimum feigned risk so even if it's not real risk i often talk about the roller coaster rule so we are thrilled by flying through the air at 400 500 miles an hour because 
our old reptilian brain believes we're going to die. And that is exciting. But our modern brain knows that the roller coaster is safer, safer than, you know, rush hour traffic. And so you're doing something that feels risky. And that's why it's exciting in your body. And so we want to, I think if you can inject that roller coaster rule into your relationship, build something that is safe, that is loving, that is, you know, secure, so much so that you can go and take risks together, whether you are monogamous or consensually non-monogamous, you can reactivate some of the feelings of new relationship energy or the honeymoon phase. I love that way of looking at it. Oh, absolutely. We always yeah. talk about our, our relationship as like this up, ebb and a flow that kind of just continuously moves. But having this strong foundation allows you to, to go explore, you know, riskier things like introducing a third person into your your bedroom or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just actually reading a, an article um, talking about new relationship energy and how like it's going to it's going to happen to you and like you don't want to necessarily avoid it because it can be a lot of fun, but you also got to understand that it's going to go away at some point. And it cuz you can't stay in that prolonged state like you were saying, like that would be so exhausting. <laughs> it would be that's true, actually. So when you're in this phase, sometimes you'll find that you have very high energy and you don't require enough sleep. And again, this has to do with the chemical shifting in your body and it can't last forever. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have moments where you feel it again, mm -hmm. but this longing for the past often to me is a reminder that you're not really investing in the present and you are probably romanticizing the past, right? We tend mm -hmm. to recall fond memories as even more positive than they actually were. And so with new relationship energy in CNM relationships, for example, it is just a good reminder that it's not that my love for this person is more intense. It's not that, or long lasting intense. It's not that I'm more sexually attracted to them or that the sex is going to be hotter. It just feels this way at the time. And, and it's interesting in, in monogamous relationships, people will come to me and say, well, I met someone, I have this crush. It's so exciting. I haven't felt this way in years, or I've never felt this way before. I think I've found the one, maybe I should leave my partner when in fact, you're just attracted to the unknown. Mm -hmm. And in fact, what happens when you fall in love oftentimes is you see something you like in a person. Maybe it's the way they look. Maybe it's the way they kiss you. Maybe it's the way you have sex. Maybe it's the way they talk. Maybe it's the attention they're paying to you, the way they make you feel. And so there's something you like. Let's say that's 1%. Let me be really generous and say 10% of who they are. But you don't know the other 90 to 99%. And because mm -hmm. you like them and you want to like them, the brain fills in the unknown with idealizations. Mm -hmm. So this isn't a conscious process, but you don't think about the fact that, you know, they leave globs of toothpaste in the sink just like your current partner or, you know, a primary partner, if that's the way your relationship is set up. You don't think <laughs> about the fact that, you know, when they go home to their family over the holidays, they revert to 12-year-old behavior. You don't, your brain doesn't go there. But this, the reality is that they're human, and so they're imperfect, and they will become less shiny, and the luster will wear as you get to know them. And that's not even a negative thing, because it's a different type of love that you tend to transition to. So we're talking about this passionate or mm -hmm. limerence or new relationship energy that exists in the beginning. But following that, you know, I've heard the term established relationship energy. That's something else that has to do that can be underpinned by really deep intimacy and vulnerability and trust and knowing that no matter what this person has your back. And when you really think about it, that can be just as exciting and just as fulfilling in a different way. But if you just like the beginning of things, if you always want the new and shiny, you're probably never going to get to other layers of the relationship. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I could see that happening almost like a cycle. And I guess that's where like serial monogamous would come from too. Exactly. Or people who move from one crush to another. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm like that. I love the beginning of things. I, and I, I actually fall into this outside of intimate relationships, but in friendships. Sometimes mm -hmm. I find it really hard to, or sorry, I find it really easy to make a friend, but I do have trouble you know, getting a little bit more deep and vulnerable with friends. Oh, and I, I can relate to mm -hmm. that. 
Yeah. And it's something I really have to work on. Like I have this really great intimate relationship and I, you know, it's such a big part of my life, but I have to work on my friendships. I don't think I'm a naturally good friend. I think I'm, I I can be a little bit distant. Um, Partly it has to do with my job. Like I travel every week and when I come home, I, I'm, I'm stopping in here for 48 hours usually. Right. I don't really want to see anyone. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to entertain anyone. And, you know, I, I tend to be the person who entertains and I don't, I need to work on friends who, who, to whom I can say those things and be like, yeah, I want to be around you. I just, I don't want to be up. I don't want to be funny. I don't want to, you know, always hear people's problems. Mm-hmm. Well, and you don't want to be always off to be on point, right? No. Yeah. Exactly. I love when people quote me after a few glasses of wine. I'm like, oh God, don't even, don't even try and apply any of my insights <laughs> to your life. <laughs> I am not on the clock. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny that we talk about all these things. It's like, we can talk about them, but then when we actually put them into actual practice, sometimes we're like, oh shit. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, in, in my marriage, I noticed that Brandon, my, my partner is really good at taking the insights and the practical strategies I've developed and implementing them even when it's really uncomfortable. And that's one thing I love about this guy. He will always do things uncomfortable because he knows there's value in it. Uh, We were, we were on vacation last week and throughout Italy, everyone just seems to be making out. Like everywhere I go, these Italian couples are making out. And uh, I was at a spa actually. And one woman climbs on top of her, partner in the sauna. I don't know. It just seemed to be, and I don't want to comment on Italian culture as a whole, but this was just my very, very micro observation. I'm like, oh, I just want to be kissed by like the way these Italian guys kiss. And that night Brandon came and kissed me that way. Even I'm, I'm, even though I'm sure it felt awkward, I'm like, man, this guy will do anything and apply the information. Whereas me, I get in my head a little too much. I struggle to separate work from pleasure and I have to work on that compartmentalizing. So to your point, oftentimes we have the information, but we can't always put it into practice. So the experts struggle, the cobbler's kids have no shoes sort of thing. So, you know, we're all a work in progress and I very much am in progress. Absolutely. He's like looking at me like, this is you. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying it's kind of funny to see the similarities of like, just because we have been like this in this last year, we've been working quite a bit and it's kind of almost into this point of where we're actually have this new relationship energy with our business mm-hmm. and it's growing in such a way that we've been invited on. I think it's on like five trips now and we're working on our potential seventh for this year. Um, it's quite interesting to uh to actually go down this path of this new relationship energy with all these fun travels and you're traveling so much so for us it's like new relationship energy with our business right now absolutely we have this like our podcast is growing our business is growing we're being asked to speak at stuff like you know it's probably the same with you which is kind of the part where i kind of wanted to get to is like not necessarily new relationship energy doesn't necessarily apply just to like non-monogamous relationships or relationships Mm -hmm. it actually applies to like everyday life and almost every little thing it's like a new car or a new job or a new anything really get obsessed with it that's actually a great point It it comes down to novelty right novelty is attractive and humans have a need for both predictability and novelty and I and we need a balance between those two and you know I'll often talk about the fact that we need comfort security and predictability let's say 90% of the time and maybe we need 10% to be a little risky a little bit novel but those are just made up numbers because every person is different so for example I I like risk more than my partner Brandon likes risk and so if we had to break it down into numbers my percentage would be higher for that risk and novelty than his. But that's a great point. Everything, for example, you know, you find a new restaurant and you love a dish and then you overdo eating that dish and Mm -hmm. then the dish becomes boring. And so I think it's a reminder whether you're in a monogamous relationship or a consensually non-monogamous relationship that you need novelty. And one of the advantages oftentimes of CNM relationships is that there tends to be more novelty. That that is not always the case, Mm -hmm. but I do think that Oftentimes, the lifestyle itself creates more openings for natural novelty. 
And so what, whatever your relationship arrangement may be, I'm really of the belief there is no right way to do it. I don't believe that one type of relationship is more evolved. I don't believe that one type of relationship inevitably cultivates greater intimacy. But whatever you do, I think there is a lot to be learned from one another. And by leaving consensually non-monogamous relationships out of the discussion and to a good degree by leaving these relationships out of research, I think we're doing everybody a disservice because, you know, there are opportunities that arise more naturally in a CNM relationship that that'll apply to all relationships and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I I completely agree. So like what you're saying is, is that there can be, there can definitely be a negative side to new relationship energy. That's a interesting way to put it. Yeah. I would say that it's our response to an experience that can make it positive or negative. Mm And I I think that, you know, everything kind of exists in this gray area and along a continuum and nothing is entirely positive or entirely negative. Right. And that's kind of what makes it exciting. Yeah. For example, there's risk that comes with new relationship. And I see it all the time, especially, you know, well, you see it in both in all types of relationships, in monogamous relationships, people overstate a new partner. You see this all the time, like, oh, I'm leaving this. I'm going to leave my husband for this guy because he's just so much more exciting and we have something special and he'd never do this that my husband did. And he's just the opposite of my husband. And then that new relationship energy wears off and the problems that you had in your previous relationship tend to follow you because many of your problems are your own. Similarly, (laughs) in multiple partner relationships, it's easy to focus all of your energy on the new and shiny things. I do think that within many CNM relationships, people are very, tend to be, and this is, there are people who are not because there are more ideal relationships and more problematic relationships in all arrangements, but there tends to be more of a discussion about what we're feeling and why we're feeling it. And you might have a partner who is experienced with this and can kind of rein you back in and say, yeah, like, that's so cool that you're feeling that. Uh, You know, I, I hope you get to indulge in that. How can I be a part of it? Or how can I support you? Or how can I make space for you? And, you know, without any judgment, like got to enjoy it while it lasts because it changes over time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's kind of funny that you say that because I kind of go, I always go back to this one point that we always try to make is like, we have rules and boundaries when it comes to our CNM relationship. And we always say, don't ever change your relationships within an evening based upon something, change your boundaries boundaries or your rules in an evening. And I think that new relationship energy plays into that a lot because I think there's a lot of people that would think that the sex with that individual or with these people will change stuff for them and make it better or make Mm it, um, but it's going to go against their previous rules. And we talk about that all the time is don't change those just because of sex. Like don't change that just because of who the people are. Like these in a night, you've taken so long to develop this stuff together Mm -hmm. and talk about Mm -hmm. all these things that you're you're going to waste it all in one evening just because you think that the shiny new toy is going to solve fix everything you. or fix it or yeah it's kind of interesting though i think that's a great point and you don't really want to make make decisions or rewrite your rules when you're when you're aroused right we know that sexual arousal yes. has an effect on inhibition decision making we know for example you'll even leave a bigger tip when you're feeling attracted to somebody Uh, and we know that sometimes we make decisions that we might not have made had we not been physiologically aroused and this is not just about sexuality or sexual arousal this is all types of physical arousal so for example even when you're angry you are not your regular rational self when your heart increases in beats to over 100 beats per minute, you lose the ability to be as empathetic, to be as rational, to be as collaborative. And so if you know that, right, you know, when you're angry, you're not going to make the best decisions. Well, you want to consider sexual arousal or even emotional arousal of other types uh, similarly so that you're not making these rash rash decisions. Mm -hmm. Well, jealousy plays into that huge. Like that's a big one for me when I start thinking about well, like jealousy can make you make rash decisions, decisions too, right? Definitely, and it kind of goes to this other point that I was reading about new relationship energy about having to feel like if you're in a polyamorous relationship and let's say you start dating somebody new and you're like having all these new and exciting experiences with this other person and it's all great and it's all fun, but then you have this old relationship that's kind of sitting there and 
this weird stage. And then they're like, well, now I'm like, well, I think my partner needs to have a partner so that we make this even or equal. And it's not necessarily equal doesn't equal, uh, equal doesn't equal even or doesn't mean even like it doesn't mean it doesn't have to be like a tit for tat thing it has to be like a general understanding of everybody coming together and it's it's okay to have a new relationship here and a new relationship over here and you don't have to go get a partner for your partner just to make it equal yeah and your partner may not want a partner and they may not be as attracted to new relationship energy or you know if if i were to put it as risk and novelty as i said some people don't need as much of it Mm -hmm. and they don't get as high on it and you know there's some research dr justin lay miller does some research around sexual personalities and the types of Person, sexual personalities that are more attracted to risk, for example, or more attracted to monogamy or to friends with benefits mm-hmm. and casual sex. So, uh, you know, the research is quite preliminary in this field, but we do know that some people want it more than other people and that's okay too. So just because you are fulfilled by a certain degree of new relationship energy or risk or novelty doesn't mean that your partner requires it in the same quantity, the same intensity, or even experiences it in the same way. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I could, um, it's probably the same as me and you. Who do you think more novel? Who, who likes the novelty more? New shiny thing? Yeah. Oh, I think it's me. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> Especially boobies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of uh, the boobs. Um, but, uh, shiny, shiny boobies. Exactly. Big and shiny it, new boobies. And that goes to... That, <laughs> boobies are like new boobies you just got. <laughs> uh, just any type of new boobies. I just boobies in general. If I've never touched them, I... I want to. (laughs) Well, so that can be a real challenge for people because oftentimes it can feel as though your partner is more physically attracted to somebody new, Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily their body. It is a new body. And that's normal. You know, my husband has seen me naked a gazillion times. And so every time I'm changing, he's not going to turn his head. Whereas if you know, there was somebody else changing next to me who he's never seen, even if that person isn't, you know, a person he likes or isn't a person he's as attracted to, he's still going to want to look because it's curiosity and it's the desire for the unknown. Mm -hmm. Your brain, your body, they go on autopilot when things become predictable. And we are always peaked. Our arousal is always peaked. And our body enters a state of higher, you know, hyper we're a little bit more alert when there's something new to look at. And that doesn't even have to be sexual. No, mm-hmm. no it could, usually it's just passing down the street or something like that. He's right. like, whoa, look at her boobs. I'm like, I didn't even see. <laughs> think about the ocean. So I don't live near the ocean. So whenever I'm at the ocean, I notice how it sparkles diamond and I never want to leave it. I just want to stare out at the ocean. My mom grew up in Jamaica. She doesn't really care about the beach as much because it was, she was always around it. But me, I grew up in landlocked or fairly landlocked Toronto. We've got a, a lake with pollution. And so I, you know, I'm attracted to something that I have less of. So it's a bit of an economy of scarcity thing. Yeah, yeah. I feel you. No, it's it's kind of funny. I'm just I'm actually like replaying in my head all of these like new relationship energy moments in my head now. <laughs> like after we've been talking about it and just and, and by the way, you speak so amazingly on this topic it seems like and it's just so cool to see like in my head about these new relationship energy and it's like kind of when if we started playing with a unicorn sometimes I would even like and if they're super communicative with us and talking about some of the people that we're playing with like we're we're very appreciative of that but it's I can find myself sometimes getting like this almost like this tinge of jealousy or almost envy that I'm like wait you're playing with other people and it's like <laughs> but you're my shiny new little toy why can't I just be the one to play with you you know what I mean so it's so interesting because there's these little dynamics that you start looking at, even in like relationships with your job, even with your um, your relationships with your spouse, your family, um, your friends. Like new friends for me is something that I love. I love meeting new people. I love getting to know people and finding that commonality. And it, I'm just I'm playing my whole life over in the back of my head. Yeah, right you're, now, you're so. going through some stuff right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I, I just actually wanted to touch on, so we kind of described what NRE is, and I just kind of wanted to get your advice on how people can start navigating it and starting learning that this may be like, like a hormones, hormone change in your body, that this is all sort of changing, that there's this physiological actual change when new relationship energy happens. So I kind of want to talk about how to navigate and understanding that, I guess. And it's different for every person, but do you have any like general sort of ways of helping people navigate sort of NRE? I would say the first step is knowing that it exists and mm-hmm. being realistic about what it is and what it isn't. Meaning this doesn't mean that you found your soulmate. It means that it's something new and it feels good. So give yourself permission to enjoy it uh, and maybe lower your expectations of how long it should last or how you should experience it. Don't compare one experience of new relationship energy to another experience of new relationship energy. For example, you mentioned that you work together and it took time to cultivate the new relationship energy. Mm-hmm. Accurate? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It took a while. <laughs> so I really appreciate that because again, the Western notion of love and romance, which is quite concocted, is that you must fall head over heels from the first time your eyes lock. And if you travel around the world, if you look at the way, first of all, the history of marriage across human history, but also the way marriage evolves in, for, for example, the East, oftentimes you have a bit of a companionship first And you get to know one another and then you cultivate the passion. So we call it new relationship energy because oftentimes it's related to novelty, but also it can be related to discovery. It can be related to playfulness. It can be related to the unknown and a little bit of risk. So you can be cultivating it over time. I think you should be a little bit aware that There's no sense in overanalyzing it. You're going to feel it. You're going to experience it. And that's okay. And I think people in consensually non-monogamous relationships might be a little bit more aware of this Mm -hmm. because they've, you know, enjoyed it so many times. Oftentimes in monogamous relationships and especially in serial monogamy, we believe that like, oh, we fell out of love or the feeling just wore off when in fact, that's exactly what is supposed to happen. And if you want a relationship to last and not every relationship, of course, is intended to last and I think measure of relationship is not necessarily longevity, but it's fulfillment. You don't need to stay with someone forever. But if you know that it's going to wear off over time, you can continue to invest in other elements of the relationship. So we don't need to overvalue new relationship energy. Just take it for what it is. Uh, Be honest about it. If you have somebody you can talk to about it, perhaps you have multiple people, talk about what you're feeling, Mm -hmm. talk about what feels good, talk about what feels uncomfortable. Because again, for some people, new relationship energy can be really exciting because we enjoy the risk. And for others, it can be anxiety inducing because the risk in fact feels like too much for them. So, you know, I can talk about how the fear of rejection is exciting to me and to someone else, the fear of rejection can be debilitating. So be honest about your response and don't expect your response to align with everybody else. Mm -hmm. So bottom line, like awareness, definitely awareness of yourself and awareness of what this all is and that well, it's going to be there. Well, and every situation too, because every situation yeah. can start bringing these to light. Like it's like going to a new event for us. Like when we go to, a, when we went to a Young Swingers Week in March, it was that this whole thing was all brand new. Like we had been to Hito, but we'd never been to Hito during Young Swingers Week, mm-hmm. right? Like, so it was this whole interesting dynamic of this new play. And even going down to Desire when we went in April, that for us was like this whole new relationship energy of like the new relationship with the resort, with the people that are there because we want to go back. And we and that's the one thing that they don't necessarily have a high turnover of staff. So you, you get to see these people again. And it's like you get so attracted to wanting to go back there and do it again and see all these people. And then maybe next time it won't be as like as exciting or yeah. as, as new. That's true. That's a good and, point. and the flip side of it is that if you take a place like Desire where the surroundings become familiar, the staff become familiar, you might actually have more opportunities to take risks and seek out novelty because you're feeling so comfortable. And I think everybody's formula is a little bit different. Like, for example, I can tell you, for me, I always want something new. I like meeting new people. Uh, I like new environment. I like to not know what's coming. Whereas Brandon, my husband, likes the predictability of desire and because he knows what to expect he's willing to take more risk 
while he's there now on our, I don't know, 25th visit than he would have been on our first visit. So I think that response is really unique. You need to give yourself permission Mm -hmm. to take it in however it works for you. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. I got a kind of a personal question. Do you, like you speak all over the world at different events at a new event. Do you get like kind of like a new relationship energy with that event and want to go back like the next year and do stuff like that? That's a good question. Uh, I like a lot of change. (laughs) Okay. And so for example, every time I get on a plane, I'm excited, especially when I'm going someplace new. And I go, you know, I, I go, very different places. People always ask, where do you travel for business? Honestly, I go to India, I go to China, I I go to Jamaica, I go to Albuquerque, I go everywhere. Um, Yes, I I guess I I do get excited for new projects and new people. I do get bored very easily if I'm always covering the same topics. Uh, I'm kind of lucky in this industry, no two stories are the same. So every case Mm -hmm. is new and challenging. But certainly, I need a lot of excitement in my job, and uh, I'm lucky that the type of work I do creates excitement for me. And yeah, I, I guess if I go to the same place over and over again, to some degree, it it loses its appeal. It doesn't mean I don't enjoy myself and I don't, in, you know, take comfort in the familiarity. But I do find that uh, doing something even four or five times for me. Uh, doesn't feel as exciting, but it's a different experience each time. Mm-hmm. Of course. Like, and you're meeting with different people. It's different, a different vibe maybe from one thing to the next. Are you uh, a Sagittarius or a Gemini by, by any chance? No, I'm an Aquarian. Ooh. Yeah. And my husband is too. I don't know anything about really the, the mm-hmm. sorry, what do you call it? Astrological. So Astrology. Yeah. yeah. Astrology. But yeah, I'm an Aquarian. I'm right on the cusp between Aquarius and Pisces. Oh, Interesting. Interesting. Well, there's people who travel lots and you being in Italy and that's super Yeah, I was watching your Instagram. I was like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. Oh, it's so gorgeous. It's it's funny. Some days I really want to share what I'm doing and some days I just don't want to share. And part of the brand, of course, is producing content. And I'll sometimes get pressure from, you know, the folks working with me on the editorial side, like, oh, you needed to do a post today. And, and I, you know, if I'm not in the mood, I just won't do it. So when I'm sharing on stories, it's because I'm really loving what I'm doing. And as you saw, it's the architecture and food. Architecture and food. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's kind of like us. Yeah. Like, well, food for sure. We were just in New Orleans at Nadia New Orleans oh. and, and food down there is mm. amazing. Mm, how is Nadia New Orleans? amazing yeah, it was we had, fun. we had such an amazing event it we it was busy super busy for us we did pretty we did the instagram takeover for the first day we did the uh podcast meet and greet the next day we were on some panels speaking and then at the end of it uh, when tara was super hungover which was quite <laughs> funny um we got crowned king and queen oh amazing so i'm speaking to royalty <laughs> yes the head is heavy the head oh is heavy <laughs> he's not uh, no, I'm just, is, is it a big crown or a big head i don't know either it could be both <laughs> they, they kind of did that to me it wasn't necessarily just sort of put on my head and then my head i think just grew three sizes but oh <laughs> i don't I, that's not true but <laughs> no we are super like super humbled and super honored that uh, they honored us with that uh, and so now we have a new relationship energy with being king and queen of Nadia Nolan. So it's a high. It's a high, right? <laughs> so now we're on this like whole, like now we got to go back for a third time to New Orleans and it's like, and it's going to be something completely different because it's not going to be the same as it was l- l- the year before, the year before that. So it's like, oh man, and we want everybody to come. So yeah, not Nolan's is a, New Orleans is a beautiful city. It's a very architecturally interesting city. Mm. Um, and I imagine that during Naughty and Nolan's, it's just wild and out of control. <laughs> yes, oh, it is. Yeah. You'll have to come next year. Yeah. I always, I always mean to. It's, it's in the summer, right? Yeah, it's July. It's be beginning of July in 2020. Yeah. Yeah, sometime. I'm a fan of Bob Hannaford. I'm a fan of his politics and the way he speaks out and speaks yeah. up. So uh, I, I do have to get down there. Yeah, their 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 way of dealing with consent is is be like 
I don't know. It's next like, time. it's next level. It's just, it's one of those things that is so required in a lifestyle like ours, where we're making sure that everybody's in the, like, in a, like a good safe space, right? Like we just try to provide these spaces where people can explore new relationship energy in a consensual non-monogamous fashion. So it's really good to see that there's people out there that are enforcing that because they've probably been put in a bad situation one, one too many times and they sit there and they go, okay, well, how do you provide a space that works? Well, that, that's an important point because oftentimes when we look at fringe lifestyles, whether that's, that's the kink community, the BDSM community, swinger community, consensually non-monogamous, polyamorous, because you're being forced to the fringe, oftentimes your job becomes teaching people that their misconceptions are incorrect. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, I have... I I observe that we tend to overstate or idealize our lifestyles. So we say, oh no, in polyamorous relationships, we talk about everything. Okay, theoretically, yes, that would be the ideal, but it's not always the case. Or in the BDSM community, it's all about consent and everything is underscored by consent. Yes, everything should be underscored by consent, but because there are human beings in all of these communities. There are violators. <laughs> mm-hmm. There are people who are manipulative, even though they speak about their feelings. There are people who violate consent boundaries. Even we're finding in the sex educator community, people who teach about consent are violating consent. And so I think it's really important for all of us to speak up when there is a violation and to acknowledge that problems are human problems and therefore they exist in every single community. Yeah, absolutely. We always say that. And that's one thing we go into every like event or party with, you know, there is probably going to be, you know, anywhere from one to 5% of the population there for not the best reasons. And that's why I don't like using the term like-minded. We're all open-minded, but we're all not alike. Hmm, Interesting. Yeah. Way to put it. Yeah. And that's the one thing too, that um, we've even seen that people in this new relationship energy phase have literally like almost like neglected their, their lifelong partner um, Mm -hmm. because of this new and shiny things and all these. And it's, and I I think that goes back to that point that you were making is like recognizing that new relationship energy exists is probably the first step for most people to realize that the new shiny thing will fade. Now, how long that is depends on the human being and the interactions and the, and the, I guess the consistency of the, I guess, interaction taking place. Like for us, it was kind of funny because we sat in an office every single day together. (laughs) And so I can get on her every nerve, yet she couldn't go anywhere. So I kind of had her trap, but... (laughs) I will find you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Um, But it's interesting that like, because we were, we were friends with benefits for a year and a half. So we ended up having like a new relationship energy phase for that long, long period of time. And then even when we got together, then we started exploring consensual non-monogamy together even more. established our relationship. And that kind of goes to like our sort of story with uh, new relationship energy. When we first started, we fucked a lot of people <laughs> and not to like no fault of our own, but it was this whole, like finding a community and well, and finding a partner who was open to the idea of me going and having sex with other people. I've never had that before. So I'm like, Oh my God, like this is a new relationship energy. Well, and I never had a relationship like this. So then talking about it and discussing it and being the friends with benefits, we extended our new relationship energy phase, I think by like almost like two and a half years. Like some people say it's like six months. And this was like, we had this a good solid phase because we started experiencing new things and experiencing more and we did it all together. So we were going through this constant and I, I'm probably say it was probably a little exhausting, but it was this constant energy shift of constantly moving forward. Yeah, we and going. didn't sleep a lot. We just had a lot of sex. <laughs> but it's crazy because we, we like we we had so much sex the first two two years, two three years of our relationship, and then it started to fade, and then we started to ask why, and then it's not. And now I'm starting to realize it's probably because we were just getting out of our new relationship energy phase and getting into our actual relationship, which is now understanding who you are as a person like it's as a good, established relationship energy you as a roommate I like that word you as a roommate you as a person that's going to be around me a lot even though we were in a tiny cubicle there's a difference between work life and home life 
Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that established relationship energy, which by the way, is not a term I coined. I've, I've read it in multiple articles, can be as exciting. I'm glad that you brought up that you had this multi-year process of feeling this excitement because there are probably people listening who say, oh no, it doesn't wear off. And if that's your experience, that's fine too. I think we just need to broaden our expectations and not assume that things occur in a set pattern over and over again. Do that in all relationships, they'd probably be more fulfilling and longer last. That's a good point. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So we actually um, pulled some Instagram followers and I'm going to ask you just a few questions. Um, There wasn't that many because I think that new relationship energy is being a, is a new, people didn't know what it was. A new relative term. I think that people are starting to like not know. And now they're starting to know because we're going to share all this great information with anybody. Um, So um, this question just kind of came up. How can you avoid NRE? Oh, well, so if uh, one way of looking at NRE is, is limerence. So limerence is an older term that refers to new love, passionate love. And how can you avoid it? The more you get to know someone, oftentimes the less shiny they become, right? So I always tell people like if they're in a monogamous relationship and they have a crush and they want to get over their crush, sometimes they avoid the crush and that actually makes it more exciting. But the more you learn about this person, the more you'll find that they are less ideal or I don't want to say that it, you know, it crushes your view of them, but you become a bit more realistic because Mm -hmm. new relationship energy or limerence is in part rooted, in my opinion, in idealizing the unknown. So the more you get to know them, um, the other piece is just talk about it because if you hold it to yourself and you don't talk about it perhaps with your other partner or partners, it becomes more exciting because secrecy becomes exciting, not necessarily in a positive way. Mm-hmm. So talk about it. Yeah, that makes sense. I like it. Mm-hmm. And then I think we'll just touch on one more question here and then we'll wrap this up. Um, the question was, what should you do if you think another couple has a new relationship energy towards you? That's so to understand... Can you clarify the question? So basically, there's another couple that's excited over you? Yeah. Yeah. Either as a single or as another couple. I'm assuming like coming on to you too strong. Maybe that's how I read it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I I think again, you just have to be a little bit open about it and say like, I need a little bit more space. Or if you don't feel the same way, it is okay to let people know. And... Of course, you don't want to hurt anyone. And you oftentimes we avoid rejecting people. But I learned from Karen B.K. Chan, who's brilliant in the area of rejection, people can handle rejection. And we need to talk more about rejection. So if you're not into something that somebody is into with you, be open about it. By allowing them to think that there's an opportunity when there isn't, you're doing more harm than a straightforward rejection. It yeah. doesn't mean that you have to sit them down and say, I'm not into you the way you are into me, but you can, you can be really clear. I'm into you in this way, but not in this way. Or I feel that you might be more into this than I am. And I care about you and respect you enough that I want to be open about what my expectations are. I think a lot of the times we're trying to avoid hurting other people. And in that avoidance, we end up hurting them more. Yeah. Hey. I like can preach to that. One hundred percent agree <laughs> with that one. And like, it's kind of funny because we've we've ex- actually experienced a new relationship energy from another couple, and um, it and it was, and it was just kind of overwhelming. The like the text messages were flowing in, and it was uh, it was the communication was great, but it was like almost like to a point where we didn't have enough time to even talk to ourselves, like mm-hmm. our, and discuss it with each other about like the whole newness of everything that was going on, and we had to like okay we need to take a break from the text messaging for a second if this is okay. And then it was totally fine with the other person. But we, now I'm starting to realize it's like, it's just that shiny new toy that you get to play with. And, it, and don't get me wrong, in, in consensual non-monogamy, there's going to be a lot of new shiny toys. I definitely do recognize some guys that are way more like into the new relationship energy than others. It's easy. To, it's actually pretty easy to spot. And it's also okay if you're really into it, right? Like, you know, there's nothing wrong with a shiny new toy. Uh, You can have all different types of relationships. So if that's what you're into, be honest with yourself. You know, I remember this scene from Mad Men 
where Don Draper decides that he's going to marry Megan and he's already dating a, I think she's a psychiatrist or a psychologist and he breaks it off with her, I think over the phone. And she says, well, I hope your new wife or your new partner knows that you're only into the beginning of things as Mm -hmm. though it's a criticism. And I, I think that whatever you are into, you are into. Maybe right now you, you do want to move from person to person, but just be honest with yourself. You know, in monogamous communities, I'll have people come to me and say, oh man, I've cheated on every partner I've had. Uh, every time I'm, I've been with someone for a few months, I want to be with someone new. How can I make sure this never happens again? Well, I, I always begin with, do you want to be monogamous? Have you even considered whether or not monogamy is a choice you've made or something that you feel is a cultural prescription. And so whatever you're into, be honest with yourself. Don't, you don't have to apologize. You may not be able to find exactly what you want, right? You can't always have your cake and eat it too in every respect, but really stop and think about what your values are when it comes to relationships, when it comes to monogamy, when it comes to sex. Think a little bit about your sexual personality type. Consider how much risk you want. Consider how much novelty you want. And then once you've figured it out for yourself, and it doesn't mean that you know you have all the answers, but once you know where you are at today, communicate that to every single partner so that they're going into it with their eyes wide open and keep the conversation going because things will change over time and you are allowed to change. You can't commit to something. You know, most people commit, for example, to marriage at 27 and some definition of marriage that oftentimes goes unspoken. And then we wonder why people are now getting divorced after 30 years of marriage because things change. And if you don't talk about those things that change, inevitably, there's going to be some relationship strife or dissolution. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Man, you are intelligent as I hell. know. I, I like and love listening to you. You just... <laughs> Oh, stop. <laughs> I'm like sitting here just like nodding. Like, We're just yes, like looking at yes, each other like, oh my yes. God. Well, I mean, the answer is that I don't have the answers. Like what I'm telling people is that none of us have the answers, right? So oh. it's not really that I'm, I'm intelligent. I'm just, I know that I don't know. And I think there's value in knowing you don't know. Absolutely. Just how you give the message, like even cultural prescription. I was like, yes, that word is amazing. <laughs> Love it. She wrote it down. I did write it down. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but Jess, uh, I think that's just going to wrap it up. Uh, we just want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. We know that you are uh, um, obviously traveling at least like once a month or every two every weeks. Week. And every week. Every week. <laughs> every but I week. love it. The- Where are you guys off to next? Jamaica. We are Jamaica. In young- October for Young Swingers Week. I'm Jamaican. My mom's from Jamaica. I'm going in two days. Oh, oh. not to a swingers week thing, to a family thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fun too. What, what side of the island are you going to? I go to the North Coast. I go to Arakabessa, which is about two hours east of Montego Bay or 30 minutes past Oak Nice. So we yeah. go the opposite way technically. Yeah, you go about an hour west of Montego Bay. But Negril, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, we were married actually in Negril and we spent many years uh, you know, in the grill working for spring break when we were younger. So Aww, I had no idea. That's so awesome. It's so cute. I'm a, I'm a big fan. And uh, actually right across from hedonism, there used to be another resort owned by the same company. They've all changed hands since then uh, called Grand Lido. And that's where we were married. And there used to be a bar on the beach called Risky Business, which I think is a strip club now. Uh, but Brandon and I used to manage it for I don't know, six weeks over spring break every year, we'd go down there and the mass of Americans would come down and drink too much and do too much drugs. And be You know, I was young. I was only, let's say, 21, 22, 23, 24. Wow. So, but the kids were a couple of years younger than me. And I even thought, dear God, I would never let my kid do this. Because the North, Ameri- the North American binge drinking is out of control. Oh, I, I know. Out of control. I mean, so much drugs. I had to, yep. I had to, let me be clear. I'm not pinning this on Jamaica. I'm pinning this on the behavior of, of young, wealthy American college students. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was quite an experience. And Negril is a magical place. My, my favorite place is up in the cliffs. Uh, we still sometimes go over to Rock House. I don't know if you ever get up there. But if you want any Jamaican recommendations, you you let me know because I'm down there all the time. 
Yes, Absolutely. I will ask you because we like to do at least one or two meals off the resort. So. Oh yeah, oh, there's some great restaurants in Negril. Absolutely. And again, thank you so um, much. But how can people get a hold of you? You can find me at Sex with Dr. Jess on all social media and sexwithdrjess.com. And everything is Sex with Dr. Jess. It's the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast as well. <laughs> Perfect. So Easy to find. Yeah. If you guys can't, Easy figure, to plug. <laughs> can't figure it out, it's Sex with Dr. Jess. <laughs> Just want to repeat it one more time. Sex with Dr. Jess. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's wraps up our show for today. Um, I'd like to thank you again so much. I, I keep saying thank you, but because I again, starstruck by the fact that you're here and you're talking about some amazing stuff. And uh, yes, so thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Have a great one. You as well. And we're going to wrap up our show here. So thanks to our listeners for listening all the way to the end. Thank you, hashtag Sue Crew. And we're going to be uh, tune in next Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, keep it sexy. Thank you for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed the sexy show, you can find more at sexuninterrupted.com. Don't forget that you can also follow us on Twitter at SXUninterrupted, Instagram at sex.uninterrupted, Facebook, and YouTube. If you want to directly support what we do, please check out patreon.com slash sexuninterrupted today and join our community. We'll see you here next Friday at 2 p.m. on the West Coast and 5 p.m. on the East Coast on the Voice America Variety Channel. 